gamma signal. Glory to God. I want to welcome you to the Mission Church. You're at the Mission Church and Training Center service. I'm Paul Parasich, and I'm honored to be here speaking today. And you're in for a treat, glory be to God. You know why? Because the Holy Ghost has something to say to you to help you fulfill your purpose and plan for your life. His purpose and His plan for your life. Amen? We're going to read out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. The rest of the scriptures I have in my notes, but I want you to see the scripture right here. What I'm going to be talking to you about is I am evangelizing the church. We think of evangelism. We go out and evangelize people. The church needs more evangelizing than the world. I think that, that is, it's sad that what goes on in this uh, Second Corinthians chapter 5. These should be some very familiar scriptures to you. Verse 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, <coughs> I couldn't find my Bible this morning. <coughs> the Lord might have needed it more than me, so he might have it right now. But, uh. So I've got my wife's, and this is a different version. So, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm used to saying, now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself. And it says here, now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, God was in Christ reconciling or reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses into, unto them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So what this is saying here is God has given to us the ministry of representing himself. See you a second. Oh, here's my Bible. Hallelujah. The Lord gave it to Andrew. Thank you, Jesus. I don't, I don't need it. You're okay to lay it right there. Thank you very, very much. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I wonder if you wrote anything else in there. Glory to God. Okay, so, so the, the Lord is, is, was using Jesus to represent him. God was in Christ, and Christ was representing God to the world. But then it goes on to say, and he has given to us the ministry of representing him. Just the guy standing up here isn't the one in trouble. You're in trouble if you're not representing the Lord in your daily walk, your daily life. Because he has given to you the ministry of reconciliation, or the ministry of representing Him. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to take the chicken out of your spirit. Remember Jesus said, when you receive the Holy Spirit, He's going to give you power. And that power is to be witnesses or to be able to represent God. Okay? Uh, I'm going to give you some testimonies. I've been in evangelism schools and things such as that. And the hardest thing always on me was when they said, we're going to go out and publicly evangelize. And I was recently in a school with a lot of prophets, people who are called apostles, 
people who are called pastors. Oh, that the person on there, the young man, Aomai, uh, he was a pastor at 16 years old in his country. And he's been pastoring ever since, and he's a very, very powerful, powerful person. The lady who's on there in Arizona, her husband and her church has been in revival for a year and a half. So that's why they're speaking on there. Amen? So it probably would be a good thing to be here. Uh, so glory to God. Okay, but I was in this class in, uh, recently, and we were being taught some of these things. And the whole class was activations, 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 activations. And so one of the activations were, we're going public. And so I acted scared. <laughs> really, really, oh, really, we're really going out. You're kidding me. But I was amazed at the men and women of God who have huge churches, who are pastors for years, who are prophetic and travel all over, and they were scared stiff to go witness one-on-one. -on -one. I thought, you have got to be kidding me. And I've been with people who stand behind podiums many times, and you get them in an individual setting, and they're clueless how to lead someone to salvation. They're clueless how to love somebody, how to edify, exhort, and comfort someone one-on-one, -on -one, but they can stand behind you. I'm not being mean, I'm being honest. I told you I'm going to evangelize the church today. And they are held to the place of, really? Do I really have to do that? And I was the one saying, you know, being to the teacher, would you please come with me? Please come with me and hold my hand. Don't let me go out there by myself. Please, please, please. So when, they, when their head is paired up and when they sent us out, they, the teacher said, each of y'all are going one by yourself. And here's your goal. You have to at least... And they let it, watered it down to at least just say something that makes someone si smile. That would be your Christian thing. I thought, don't let them off the hook. I even said it. No, no, you need to be as mean as you can to us and tell us we have to lead someone to salvation. Okay? But I was amazed that the lack of ability of leadership to minister to someone publicly. And I realized... The lack of ability to lead someone to salvation amongst the churches, the church people, is got to be major if the guy standing up here can't even do it. And so our assignment was to go find at least two people that you can pray with. If you can't pray with them, at least say something to them that you know is sharing the love of God or letting them know that God's love is there. And I'm not down in the class, I'm not down in lightening it up or, or less, lessening the pressure that was on us. So I set out, immediately set out. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, okay, this is tough. But I have developed my own system of breaking the ice, is what you would say, of the Lord. Years ago, I had to start learning how to do this. And so my own system is I use a lot of times, hey, I go all over the place praying for people. And when I pray... Jesus does things. I mean, miracles happen. Because the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man makes much power available. So if I pray for you, there's going to be some power released. And we're talking about the man. I mean the man. Jesus, the King, the Lord of all. I'm going to ask him for something for you, and he's going to do it because he loves you. Is there anything I can ask him for for you? See, so I've developed my own system, okay? I've learned to also say, is there anything that you would like Jesus to help you with? 
no matter where they are, no matter what's going on, and it usually breaks the ice open unless they're a staunch non-believer or they're of a different, or no, we're not a religion, or they're religious. They might be Muslim or they might be Hindu or they might be Buddhist, and they say, I don't need Jesus to help me. He's just another prophet. We still have to be able to share with them. So I went out, first door I went into, I thought, hey, I might as well take advantage of this. This is my wife's birthday coming up. Man, there's women's stores all over the place. So all I had to do was go in and try on dresses because we're about the same size and make sure this looks pretty good, don't it? You know, I didn't do that, but I went in there. And, and, uh, and I, I was buying clothes for her, and the girl who come up, I did what I do, and I asked her, is there anything Jesus can do for you? You were being so kind to me, helping me. She said, yes, there is. And she, well, actually, the Lord unlocked her heart when she got near me, and she said, my grandfather, I just went and saw him, and I just happened to be back today. It's my day in the store. And I said, that is great. Why were you seeing your grandfather? Because they expected him to pass away last week, and he did after I left, and now i got to go back. And so I knew a scripture that Jesus' job description is what? That is your opportunity to repeat my scripture. There's a hand back there. Out of 10,000 people, I have one hand in the back. Go ahead, mister. Can you hear me okay? That's, that's part of Jesus' job description, is to heal the brokenhearted. So I said to the lady, you know what? If Jesus came into your store and applied for the job on his application, it would be, I heal broken hearts. And I said, can Jesus do that for you? And she starts crying. It touches my heart. She says, yes, he can. And I said, I'm going to pray for you, and he's going to do that. So I prayed for her, and oh, my goodness, glory to God. That was so easy. And there's other people out there scared. How are they going to do so? I knew one down, glory to God, I got a testimony. So I went to another store, and I went to, to the next place and said something to a girl in there. And, you know, what would you, if you could, Jesus would do anything for you, what would you have him do? That's just a question, not some religious thing. What church do you go to? Have you ever confessed Jesus as your Lord? Do you read your Bible every day? Do you pray every day? Those things aggravate people. If you haven't noticed that for 8,000, well, let's see, 5,000 years that's been done, or 2,000 years that's been done, and it hadn't won the, won the whole world. So it's obviously to get in the potter's hand and let him mold us in a different way to win the lost, teach the okay? So I say that to that girl, and she says, I would really like to move up in the company. I like this job I have, and I'd like to move up. I said, oh, Jesus loves promotion. Man, that's a good thing. And he's the one who can give you favor to move up the ladder. But he's going to ask something of you, so I start prophesying. He's going to ask you when he starts promoting you on your way up. Don't step on people. Remember where you are today, because he's willing to move you up as long as you're willing to walk with him as he moves you up and love people all the way up. And, and I shared some things with her, and I said, here's the bottom line. I'm going to pray for you, and this is what I'm going to pray, that when you get to the top and you're in your corporate meetings and you're sharing with all your big salespeople, that you remind them of the day when some guy walked in the store and you were a nothing, and Jesus got involved in your life and raised you up to the top. And if they ever want to make it to the top, the only way to get there is through their love and their reception of Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So that's discipling. That's the okay? So that was Tuesday. And the next place I went to, it was some, you know, why are we scared to say these things about other, we're not religion. Sorry, almost said other religions. We're not a religion. We're in a family. And it was two people from Turkey. So let's leave it at that. And having a hard time talking with them, language barrier. So finally, I said, how long y'all been in America? One year. I said, oh. And he, I said, I want to say something to you. He pulls out his phone, and I knew he's putting it on translate. I got it. 
No language barrier. I said, you came to America because you want to be in the land that flows with milk and honey. You know how beautiful this place is. Turkey don't look like this, does it? I said, you're in a place that Jesus put in men's hearts that if they would form a nation that is in line with the government of God and in line with the laws of God, that he would prove how blessed a nation could be. And the men he showed this to did it. And everything you see in America is because of obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is Lord of America, and he's the one who's blessed it. And I said that into his phone, and he starts reading it, and I could tell. It's different than what he's been taught. That's okay. What if we never sent? I could have said, you need to forsake your... No, the Lord didn't have me do that. The Lord had me give a testimony of where he's living. He's living in the land that flows with milk and honey. If you've never been outside this country, there's really almost nowhere that looks like this. Okay? And that has like this. So then my fourth one went to another store. There was another person, and I... I did some things in the store, and I was laughing out loud because he had some really funny stuff. So when I was getting ready to leave, I said, man, you got some really funny stuff here. And he showed me another thing. I said, I can't put that on a shirt because that's perverted. I said, I serve Jesus, and he won't allow me to do that, and I, I couldn't display something like that. And I said to him, have you ever received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And he said, I don't need to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. He's another prophet. I said, he's way more than another prophet, brother. See, somehow the Lord had me ready for that. You know why? By practicing. So I said it with all boldness. Oh, he's way more than another prophet, brother. You need to ask him yourself if he's more than a prophet because he can actually answer you himself and show you he's way more than a prophet. And I could tell he was getting flustered because I wasn't backing down from him. I said, I almost died five times. And I never have been religious. But you know what I did? Someone shared with me a scripture out of the Bible that says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of Jesus, not religion, not church, I go to church, Whosoever shall call upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. I was on my deathbed five times, and all five times because someone shared that scripture with me, I called on Jesus, and Jesus saved me. If I were you, I would call on Jesus because there's going to be times in your life where you need saving and he's the only one who can save you. See you later. You know what I did? I sowed seed in him. Amen? Okay, I'm giving you examples because I'm fixing to evangelize you. Amen? You're saying, yeah, you should leave right now probably. Amen? You ought to turn that off because you're going to be in trouble if you don't do what you're going to learn. So then I went to the next store, and I'm just in there getting something. It's uh, my wife's favorite store. Not really. I'm just kidding. Dollar Tree. Not so Dollar Tree. They should name it now, okay? And uh, so I'm in there, and I'm not messing with anyone. I'm thinking, Lord, I did my thing. I did four things. Hallelujah. And I get to the cash register, and she opens her cash register, giving them a change, and there's a, uh, what do they call the old pennies? Wheat. wheat. It's a wheat penny, and she was going to give it to me. I said, do you save those? She said, yeah, I do. I said, give it to me. I'll give it back to you, and I'll give you a penny to replace that, and you can save it. And she looks at me like, no kidding, hallelujah. And I said, hold it, hold it. Read what's on that penny. And she read, in God we trust. I said, God trusts you to trust him. He's got things for you. You need to trust him. I said, flip it over again. She flipped it over, and she said, it says one cent. 
I said, you are one who the Lord is sending places. I said, so you have to be ready because he trusts you. When he sends you, you're going to be the one who do what he asks, does what he asks. And then I walked out. Okay, was that hard to do? If you go out there with a fearful attitude, if you go out there thinking you can't do this, if you go out there scared, you have not been empowered by the Holy Ghost to be a witness. So you need to learn how to do these things. Amen? You know what I was? I was God's representative. He's counting on you, and he's counting on me. He's not counting on this guy here, because these guys here, I'm surprised they, 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 they don't do that. Not much. It's easy to stand up here and not look anybody in the eye and have a great message and a great teaching and walk out and whew, another Sunday under my belt. Hallelujah. Okay? I'm the meanest person there was, wasn't it? Thank you, Jesus. We're headed somewhere. You know where we're headed? You're either going to die or you're going to be witnessing for the Lord. And when you get to heaven, you've got to be ready to get there because Jesus is going to be expecting something from you. Thank you, Lord. Okay. It, you might think I'm being presumptuous and uh, saying these things and telling you these things, but you have been called to be the Lord's representative, period. Okay? You have been called to be His voice. And you might think, I can't be God's voice. You are His voice. Everything I said to those people was being His voice. He was reconciling the world unto Himself through me, being His representative. And He wants to do the same for you. All right, and you've got to realize this. You probably are very well the answer to someone's prayer that they're praying about someone they know or about themselves or about a situation in their life, and you are the answer, and God's going to get you near them so you can be His representative to get His word to them, to get His ministry to them, to get His power to them. And you've got to realize you are so valuable being His representative that you've got to be willing and ready to represent him and let him. You're not representing yourself. You're representing him. And you've got to have confidence enough, like I told that guy. You ask Jesus himself if he is really more than just a prophet. And he can answer. And you'll find out he is. <laughs> Glory to God. Now, I don't have to defend me. Jesus has to defend himself because his representative just said something about the person who I'm representing. I put Jesus on the spot. And he's big enough to handle it. And you've got to realize that you are called to be the answer to people's prayers. My prayer went up before I was saved was, okay, Jesus, if you're real and you're really hearing me, then send me someone to teach me and I'm going to go to heaven when I die. And three weeks later... Someone was knocking on my door coming to share the gospel and how to salvation message to me, and I got saved that night. And it, they, they were God's representative to me because they were obedient to his asking of them to represent him. Just that simple. Okay, now, we use words to represent God, and I'm going to give you an uh, example of this. This is a God-sized example. When God created Adam, he created Adam in his likeness and image, and... I saw the clock. I shouldn't have looked. <laughs> We're just getting started. I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Jesus. Forgive me, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And uh, he told Adam, I want you to name everything. Now, he's created in the likeness and image of God. So he has God's ability to name everything. 
And Adam has no thought of evil. He only has thought of good. And that's how God created us to be. He didn't want us to have knowledge of good and evil. That's why he said, of all the trees in the garden, you can freely eat. But the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you cannot eat of it. Don't touch it. All he wanted us to have was a pure, clean soul. You put something in there, it's lodged in there. Amen? So when he told Adam, I want you to name everything, our carnal thinking thinks, he, Adam probably said, well, God, I'm going to name everything. That is really hard, man. I mean, everything, I'm going to name all the plant, all the animals, I'm going to, all the creatures. Adam probably didn't even blink at it. And God told him, if you say something, that is what that is. That is what I do. If God said on Friday, today is Monday, Friday would never be Friday again. It would be Monday. He can't lie. Whatever he says is so. If God said the sky is green, from now on until he said something different, the sky would be because he's God. Okay, Adam is created in God's likeness and image, so whatever Adam says is exactly what it is. So Adam starts naming everything, and God says, whatever you say, that's what it is. Horsefly, birds as a whole, blue jay, dove, crow, seagull, cricket. He starts naming everything, and whatever he says, it is. Big assignment, a God-sized assignment. You know what Adam was? Adam was God's representative. Do you understand how powerful you and I are? There's your favorite scripture, the power of death. And then the power of the tongue. Because you're God's representative. Thank God he hadn't turned the volume way up on us because we're so screwy and do so many and say so many dumb things. But he does, that is in us. That ability is in us, okay? And uh, so he turns it down to save us glory, and save other people. Amen? So Adam said everything, and, and right away, God told him to be fruitful and multiply. In other words, reproduce representatives. And then Adam and Eve sinned. Actually, Eve and Adam sinned, and that removed their ability to be God's representative. And you know you don't have not one recording of them ever, ever, ever using faith or saying anything that meant anything again. And then throughout the ages, once in a great while, men or women would arise who God was able to use as his representatives, and just that little tiny one person by them being obedient to be God's representative, changed the course of ages. Just a few people. It took God thousands of years to get enough of his word into the earth so his word could become flesh by just few people yielding and becoming his representatives and being his representatives. And those men, most of them, took a huge beating doing that. I just want you to catch the power of being God's representative. That word that we believe in, that word that we read, that word that we quote and say is the power that we're releasing when we represent the God who's listening to me right now. He's right here with us. 
and he's trying to get us to the place where we represent him outside of this place in our daily life. Amen? It doesn't have to be every single person you come to every single day, but you do have to be willing when he... and unlock someone's heart. I was on a job site last week with a friend. friend asked me if I'd come work with him. I went and worked with him, and we're on a job site, and, and I'm, uh, I'm quoting scriptures. I'm testifying. Things are bubbling up in me, and I'm saying them out loud, and I think, Lord, why am I doing this? I'm always doing this praise stuff and worshiping you and saying to these guys, because I'm discipling men is what I'm doing. I'm discipling people. I'm, they're students, and you don't, we don't get the opportunity to sit people down. Let me teach you this, my most honorable student. No, you have to say it as you go, because you only have a few seconds with people at the most 15, 20 minutes. And so I'm doing this with some guys there, and uh, the owner's out there listening, and he comes out, and, and uh, I, I asked him, hey, who's, is that your truck? Is it like my truck? I said, those are nice trucks. And he said, no, it's actually my son's truck who died three months ago. I said, I am so sorry to hear that. He said he died from a fentanyl overdose. I said, oh, my goodness. Yeah, he said he got it by accident. He said he went to get some antihistamine, and it was tainted with fentanyl from the drugstore, and it killed my son. And normally, I'm saying, can I pray for you? Jesus would like to heal your heart. But I didn't have a witness to do that. It wasn't even a fleeting thought. It just passed by. And so throughout the day, I, I got near him, and I thought, Lord, why isn't this opportunity arising in me, or why am I not taking advantage of an opportunity to minister to this guy? And I thought, it seems like something's shut, and I'm not going to punch this door open. And so when we left, I turned to my friend. I said, you know, blah, 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 blah happened to that guy. He said, are you serious? I actually told him on a job site, and he said, oh, my goodness, I didn't know that. And then when we left, I said, did you get an opportunity to pray for that guy? He said, no. I said, I never sensed an open door. If I was being prophetic, I would say, I never discerned the opportunity to say something to him. And that's really what it is. I never sensed, I never got an opportunity that I felt in my heart was an open door to, to do that. And he turned to me and said, you know what I sensed? Leave him alone. He said, I didn't say nothing to him either. There was a time to leave that person alone, and I recognized it. I said, I must have recognized it too, because we didn't say nothing. See what I mean? There's times where God's working on him personally. He don't need our involvement in that. He already heard all kinds of scriptures throughout the day and all kinds of testimonies of, man, I did in this situation, Jesus did this. I said, Jesus healed my Jesus. And so he's already hearing it by the wayside. So I'm sowing this word, and he's not even meaning to be hearing it, but he's hearing it. And so it was an opportunity, don't pray, don't say, don't lead, don't, because you might, might have got him more mad at God if he's mad at God. So what I'm saying is there's not always, it's not always the time to represent God in the way that our mind thinks we need to be representing God by forcing situations open. So you can be at peace when you don't do things in situations. Amen? Okay, Adam and Eve gave away their ability to be God's representative, and they were spiritually minded, but they became carnally minded. And since they became carnally minded, they were governed by their emotions and by their feelings, and they did not know how anymore to represent God and didn't get the opportunity anymore. And if they did, they didn't know what to do it. But from that time on, God made the promise, there's one coming who's going to be my representative. And when he comes, he's going to redeem 
everything that Adam lost. We think of Jesus' redemption as he redeemed us from spiritual death, which he did. But Jesus' redemption was a complete redemption. So he redeemed us back to the place where we can be a representative of God. Amen? He redeemed us back to the place where God can put a witness in our heart, and he doesn't even have to. We are his representatives, period. He has given to us the ministry of representation. You've got it. You better learn to do it. Okay. So, if we look at the life of Christ and all that he did, everything he did was to give us an example of how to walk as God's representative. Okay? He gave us an example. He didn't just do this. I know it's the synagogue, but to mark our thing is he didn't just do this in church. He did this everywhere he went. When he traveled, when he was in the marketplace, when he was buying groceries, when he was doing things, when he was out headed somewhere else, someone came across his path who God needed him to represent God, Jesus stopped and ministered. You're going to find in your life that there's things in your life, there's family in your life, there's friends in your life who are going to be a major distraction to keep you from being God's representative and Jesus said, if you're not willing to forsake father or mother, a sister or brother, a husband or wife, or all these different things to follow me, to be my representative, then you really aren't worth anything to the kingdom. Because he's number one. Did I say we leave them all alone and do our own thing? No, no, that's crazy. We've got families and we've got responsibilities and we need to love them and do everything we can. But there's a calling on our lives to represent God and that is number one. And when we know what that purpose is, Sometimes you just have to leave people behind. Because they will use their powers of, what's that called, Lord? Self-control. They'll use that control power to not let you be the person that God wants you to be. You can't allow that. You're going to answer for that. That's what Adam did. It says, because you obeyed the voice of your wife, everything is cursed now. God didn't curse it. All Adam did it by... Okay, enough of that. So, Jesus, when he was on assignments, which was always, he's given his examples. You know what he gave? He always gave hope. He always showed them the way to the Father. He always gave healing when there's opportunity for healing. He always gave deliverance when there's opportunity for deliverance. And he always reminded them of the promises of God. Amen? So that's part of our job. And Jesus reproduced his graces and his anointings in others so that other people who were willing so that they could go and represent God just like he was representing God. Remember, he sent the 12 and then he sent the 70, okay? So Jesus gave them commission and he sent them out. So what we have to do is we have to learn to be his representatives everywhere we go. We have to learn to be his voice in a manner that's receivable, okay? We have to learn to give hope. We have to learn to bring healing. We have to learn to bring deliverance. And as, I tell you right now, it's not easy to do. There's times where I am scared stiff to say something to somebody. And you just have to learn to push through that. Especially if you know that God's unlocked their heart, they're saying things that need help with, and you know the Lord wants to touch them. Sometimes you just, I mean, scared stiff to do it, okay? But we were commissioned by Jesus to do this. So in other words... There's no way out. Amen. He's calling you, he's expecting you, and he needs you. Okay? The church or believers 
have not done this. But we've got to start doing it. We can go out and quote, we are in the great harvest right now. The fields are white unto harvest. Lord, send laborers into the harvest. And the Lord's time, uh, 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 I'm asking you to go, you know what I mean, brother? <laughs> You're one of the ones I'm sending. And it's like, okay, we're all in the field and we're all supposed to be laborers, okay? The harvest is plenteous, all right? We're all in the field. <laughs> what am I doing with y'all? I am evangelizing you, okay? Amen? Believers have the, have the way. We've got Jesus with us. We've got his word. We've got the anointing. We've got the calling. And we have the responsibility to reproduce ourselves and to evangelize people and to evangelize other Christians who don't know how to do this. Okay? Here's a scripture for you. In Matthew chapter 28, it should be a very familiar scripture. Jesus came and said unto them, All, heaven, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, you go, therefore. I was in evangelism class one time, and this guy said, we spent thousands and thousands of dollars on that word go right there, researching the meaning of it. And the bottom line, we finally came up. The group we paid all this money to research that came to us and said, you know what that means? You go. And that was evangelism class I went to. Amen. <laughs> that was back at Eddie Brown's church, glory to God. <laughs> you were probably in the class, Steve. Glory be to God. He says, go therefore and make disciples or students of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them or representing Him, my words, okay, teaching them to observe or teaching them to represent Him. I represent Him and I teach them how to represent Him. All that I, He has commanded us to do, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That word behold right there, I just never can just bypass it. It's actually a Greek word, he do, and the word means Jesus is saying, it, it was, this would be our language. I can't believe I, don't, I, I erased I can't believe from my vocabulary, but you hear it all the time. I can't believe I'm saying this to you. This is just mind-boggling. This is amazing that I'm fixing to say this to you. This is so far beyond my comprehension that I'm ecstatic, and it just, I'm going to say it. I am with you always to the end of the age. That's the word behold. Jesus was saying, I can't believe that I'm going to be with you. Because when he was ministering, if he was here ministering at the mission church, he wouldn't be down the road at so-and-so church ministering because he's physically here. Till he died and rose again, he couldn't be omnipresent. He was in the physical body as the son of man and as God's son, yes, but not as the son of God because he got rid of all his godly attributes. So he was the son of man, and he was stuck in that one place where he was. And Jesus is saying, this is all fixing to change, and I am amazed that I'm going to say this. I will be with you always. Amen. That's huge. So you know when you say something about Jesus, he's there to defend himself. Thank you, Lord. And then here's another scripture. It's in Mark chapter 16. Bible scholars say that there was at least 500 people there. So this takes us out of the realm that I'm fixing to beat up on some people about, okay? It says, these signs will accompany, and I'm going to add some of my words in here, okay? So please don't get mad at me. These signs will accompany only in church those who believe in my name. They will only in church cast out demons. 
and they will only in church speak with new tongues, and they will only in church pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, only in church, <laughs> it will not hurt them. And they will in church lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Baloney, this is for all believers. This is for you and me who are the representatives of God, and we're to be doing this out in public because in church you probably are not ever going to get the chance to do this. Here you will because I don't think more... We strive to not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think, and we esteem you greater than ourselves. So when we're praying for people, we say, Would you pray? Would you bind? Would you do this? Would you come up here and lay hands on these people? I can lay hands on everyone every time. How would you ever learn to do it if we don't get out your way and let you do it? You know what that is? That is practice. So when you're outside and someone's sick or someone needs a, a word from you or someone needs something from you, you've already practiced in here, which is the practicing place, and you're ready to do it out there. But if you, go to, if you go to a church where they never, ever allow you to learn to do anything, what I just said to you is not for pastors only. And I started out with most pastors will not do this in public. I went this week, this week, this week. I love going with, with friends to places, thank God. Friends say, look, on, let me take you to eat. All right, I bought the last 27 times. About time you bought. Now, nah, I'm just kidding with you. Okay, just messing with you, okay? But I say things like that to my friends. My wife says, I don't know how you have any friends. And, um, and so uh, takes me out to eat. And this guy's become fast. I mean fast. He is a representative of God. And I got to watch because he'll beat me to the jump. So we walk into this place, and the first person we meet, the guy's behind the register. So I say... Hey, man, we go all over the place praying for people. What can we ask Jesus to do to help you? You know what this guy says? Huh, I'm a preacher. I'm a pastor. I said, I didn't ask you if you're a preacher or a pastor. I asked you if Jesus could do something for you. And it was like pulling teeth to get this guy to say, yes, you can pray. We had to over and over. I don't care what you are. I don't care how many people you got in your congregation. Uh, Jesus would like to do something for you right now. There's nobody around us. There's no other customers. Come on, man, give him something to do. Finally, he opened up and said, like, here, pray this for me. See where I get this message from? I thought, man, come on, brother. Then we walk in and we sit down, and my, my friend's so fast, the first time the person comes to wait on us, he says, let me ask you something. I thought, And we led the person to salvation. Just being God's representative. I'll tell you what he said, so it helps you when you go there. He said, Have, uh, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And she says, yes, I do. And he says, how do you know that you know him as your Lord and Savior? That's hard. He's tough. And she says, I pray every night. He said, I didn't ask you if you pray every night. I want to know how you know him. She says, well, I've prayed since I was a child. He said, that don't mean much. That's good you pray, but you have you ever? So it was, the statement was made 
the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is your Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. I know you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, but have you ever with your mouth said, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior? She said, no, I haven't. And the statement was made, would you like to do that? And she said, yes, I would. And right there, and we walk out and my friend says, you know when we get to heaven, that girl is going to be looking for us and she's going to say, that's them right there. <laughs> is that powerful or what? <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Okay, 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 okay. So that's representing him. And that's what Jesus said to do. And that's what every believer must learn to do. Okay, so here we're, we're switching gears one time, okay? The depth of our commitment is to Jesus is demonstrated by our obedience to his word. Jesus' gauge of how much you love him is how much knowledge, knowledge of your wor his word you have and how much of his word you act on, okay? That's his gauge of how much you love him, all right? When we obey Jesus, we demonstrate our love for the Father. You could say, when we fulfill the Great Commission, we, we demonstrate the love of the Father. When we war against the enemy, the devil, we show our love for the Father because we're willing to do what he said. He said, you resist the devil. So when we war against the devil, it doesn't have to be anything fancy, we show our obedience to the Lord. Okay, there are ways that we can demonstrate our love for the Father. And uh, let, me, let me say something to those of you who are watching. And there's people here, and they did this. They got up. They took their time. They didn't lay in bed and turn on church TV. Thank God for church TV for people who cannot get to church. Their legs are broke, or they're in something, or they're in the hospital, or their car's broke, and they have absolutely no way to get to a church. That's why there's church TV. If that's your church TV, everybody you go to church with is at room temperature. That ought to speak something to you right there. So, here's my statement. Being an active member of a church is part of demonstrating your love for Jesus. He's the one who said, I will build my church. Yes, it's the public display of his church out in public. But it also says in Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaken the assembling of yourselves together. So if you've got hurt in church or you just tired of going to church or you don't like getting your kids up and wake your wife up or wake your husband up and say, today, Sunday, we got to go to church, then your obedience level to Jesus is saying you will do that and you get up and you go, period, as a demonstration as your love for Jesus, okay? Uh, Jesus requires that we fight. And it's a fight sometimes to get up and go, especially if you haven't gone a long time. It's hard to get going again, but you need to be in church. Okay. <clears throat> Jesus knew this. See, because Jesus was constantly fighting the devil. We don't have records of him ever saying, you know, except to Peter, Satan, get thee behind me or whatever we said those few times. But he was constantly fighting demons. Like when people get up, I've never said it, and I refuse to say it. Man, when I was studying this lesson, the devil really attacked me. This must be a really good lesson because the devil really made it hard on me to have time to study. He really fought me. 
Oh, this is such a hard, it was so hard on me. You never see Jesus saying, you know, guys, I was studying, I got a talk on that mountain up there, and so I'm going to give what I'm calling a sermon on the mount, and uh, uh, the devil's really been beating on me. Never, ever, ever, ever gave credit to the devil for anything, and he fought against him. Could you imagine being the only person on the face of the earth? You're the only target that the devil has? Because the rest of them are all his. They're all spiritually dead. Could you imagine the pressure that Jesus went through? You think studying your little messages? (sighs) We were accused. And Jesus expects you and I to fight against the enemy as a demonstration of our love for him. He's bigger than the enemy. He can finish your message for you and help you, amen? He can help you spend time to pin it down. Some of these messages take 30 hours of studying, you know what I mean? This ain't just a, oh, I think, oh, that's a good scripture. I'll flip through that, say a few cute sayings, and give a few cute analogies, and ding, ding, ding. That's milk. And if I get time, I'm going to talk about milk in a second, okay? That's the way we do it. That's the way we demonstrate our love for Jesus and we eliminate our performance mentality. We keep our mouth shut about ourselves to others. We don't be a topper when someone says something about themselves. That is not my time to say something better than what they said. Jesus never topped people. He always humbled himself below them and lifted them up above him. Okay, and we keep our body under control and we do not allow fits of carnality to be displayed for long periods of time, and if we can keep them from being displayed at all, we stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, okay? So I'm going to give you a scripture about this. It's in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. If we will abide in this scripture, we will release the Father, and this is what the scripture says. So we have come. This is a progression. We have come, okay? We, we're, we're almost there. We're closer. We're closer. We're there. We have come. Okay, to know and to believe. What do we believe? We believe the love of God, and the way we got there was a progression by doing what He showed us to do. And I found in life, when I've got to the place where I've come to a place where I know what I'm doing in that area, all of a sudden I'm back into the land of I have no clue how to get where the Lord's leading me to. There's a progression to get there to the place where God's love is leading me, and now I'm back at zero feeling like, I don't know nothing in your word, Lord. I don't know how to do that. I'm as lost as can be. But we come to know a progression and to believe the love that God has for us by being willing to act on what he's asked us to act, okay? He proves himself over and over to us. And he does what he says. Whether it's in front of your eyes or not, He does what he says. Just like that Muslim person I said, you go ask him if he's greater than just a prophet. Forgive me, Lord. (laughs) I can be the rudest person there is. Smart aleck. My wife says, my first name is Jack. Okay. All right. uh, You can figure out the rest. (laughs) Okay. So I'm going to give you uh, another 
testimony, okay? Oh, listen to how the rest of the scripture goes. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So our representation of God is made easy because God's abiding as a, in us. And if God's abiding as us and his love's abiding as a, in us, his love is compelling us to move out into areas that we really don't know much about, but he's pulling us into that. Why? So we can progressively come to know. You'll never progress. If you're the same person you were five years ago, shame, shame, shame. You're not progressing, okay? So here's a testimony. Uh, I was in a place I learned how to use my faith very early, very early. I learned love of God, number one. I got to know God loves me, so I'm confident about how much he loves me. He's going to bring me through all this hell I'm in right now. took years. Number two, I learned faith is the power that God uses to create everything and change everything, and I learned that I can use my faith by speaking. That faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, so I submerged myself in the Word of God. I still submerged myself in the Word of God so that I had, like Stephen, he was full of faith. I thought I got to get full of this stuff because I knew that if I could learn how to release it, it could make changes in my life. So I knew how to use my faith, and then I thought I was getting all these things in my life, car fixed, cars, residence changed, all these nice things, clothes, all these things, come up by faith, come up by faith. And I thought, I need to use my faith for people. I need to win souls. Proverbs, what is it? Uh... 9.30, I think it is, it says, He that wins souls is wise. And I thought, I must be stupid as can be. I mustn't have any wisdom because I'm not leading anybody to salvation. So I need wisdom. So, Lord, give me wisdom. Give me, help me lead, lead people to salvation. Help me win souls, Lord. Help me win souls. So that's my prayer. I'm using my faith. I'm a soul winner in the name of Jesus because I'm saying my words. My words contain God's faith, and my words are releasing God's faith. So God's faith is out there taking me in places where I'm learning how to win souls where that fear factor is diminishing and that boldness is rising. So I'm praying this, and I'm on a job site in South Louisiana. I don't know if I st probably still smoke, still vulgar mouth, still long-haired, dope-smoking, vulgar mouth, cigarette-smoking hippie, and I uh, hadn't defeated those things yet, but I was on my way to defeating them. And uh, I'm praying. I believe I receive souls. And some guy walks up in the house. I'm insulating it, you know, insulation all over me. And I look down, and he says, my family and I ran out of gas right down the road, and I was wondering if there's any way you could help us. I thought, souls. <laughs> Hallelujah. So your whole family? He said, yeah, my whole family, man. My grandma, everybody's in the car. I said, I just happen to have my Tennessee credit card with me. You know what a Tennessee credit card is? A piece of garden hose is about six foot long that you shove down into the gas tank. And you suck gas out. <laughs> and I said, I got a jack gas jug with me too. I said, brother, you're in the right place. I said, but that's not the reason why you ran out of gas right here. You ran out of gas so I could share how to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Have you ever done that? He said, no. I said, we need to go talk to your whole family. So we walk down there, get the gas, walk over to his car. Yo, dude, man, where you from? Man? You know, all that talk and stuff. And got to the car, and I said, I've got gas for y'all, but that's not the real reason you ran out of gas right here. I've been praying for the Lord to give me the ability to lead people to salvation through Jesus. Has any of y'all ever received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? No. Would y'all like to receive Jesus as your Savior? I'm not asking you to become a member of any church or change anything. All I'm doing is asking you, would you like to confess with your mouth, Jesus is the Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised from the dead? And they all, yes, we would. I said, let's all pray a prayer together. We all prayed the prayer together. And I walked back to that house thinking, I'm a soul winner. I'm wise. He that wins souls is wise. I can do this. 
You made it easy, Lord. Please help me. Please help me one more. See, because God needed me to be his representative. What if I would have gave them a gift, let them go down the road, they get into a wreck, and they all die? They would have been a family who had guests in their car who were on their way to hell because they were spiritually dead. What if I laid hands on all of them and they were all crippled and maimed and had all these diseases and I laid hands on all of them and they all got healed and I did not share, you must believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. You must confess with your mouth Jesus is your Lord. And they're all healed and they all die and they all go to hell and their body was healed because I didn't have guts enough or take time enough to lead them to salvation. I think they would rather go to heaven and been crippled their whole life and say, must learn to be God's representative. He's counting on you. You don't have to be a weirdo about it. You don't have to be super spiritual and super prophetic. All you have to do is be willing. Amen. I'll, I'll stop here and uh, let, me, let me see where we are. Let me share this one more thing with you. To be a sec successful representative of the king of all kings, you must make yourself operate in the attributes of love. I will tell you what those attributes are next time I get to speak, Lord willing, I go this way again. But there's something that is very, very important. There are ways that we represent God, or there are steps to representing God. Number one is you must be able to love. You've got to keep your big mouth shut about how great you are, how you've done it better, how you've caught more, how you've watched more, how you know more, how you blah, 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 blah. You've got to learn to keep, you know what the Bible says? Let another man's tongue praise you. I'm glad it says that. And then you have to learn to rejoice with other successes. You know, I, I preach, and there's sometimes I used to think, I wish I, they got invited to speak somewhere else. Or I drove an old car. They got a nice car. I'm driving a piece of junk. And I serve God as hard as not harder than they do. You've got to be able to rejoice in others' lives when they're better off than you, okay? I think that's where we can say, God is testing us. <laughs> Glory to God. And then you have to prefer people. You have to prefer, like here I use it as prayer. Someone's up here, they want prayer, and I say, and pray for them. I could be the big wheel. Wow, I touch them, I pray for them, but I have to prefer others. So here's another way. You're in the grocery store. I like doing this. You're in the grocery store. You're in a flying hurry, and someone comes up behind you, and you look at them, and you can see the look on their face. Really, dude, you're in front of me? Man, I got to go. And I'll say, oh, you're probably in a hurry. Would you like to get in front of me? That's preferring someone. And then I'll make the statement a lot of times because I'm a smart aleck. I'm an American. I don't have to be in a hurry for anything. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, because okay, uh, that's preferring others, giving them the parking spot, giving them the thing, letting them uh, get in front of us, okay? And then you have to be willing to pray. You've got to be willing to pray. I cannot stress the value of your prayers. That's why James, or the Holy Spirit had James write, the effectual, the actually the uh, Amplified says, the red-hot, fervent prayer, or white-hot, fervent prayer of a righteous person is tremendous, releasing power, dynamic in its work. It says something like that. So you cannot devalue your prayers. When you pray, Lord, I'm needing you to help, so-and-so, I'm asking you to intervene in their life. I'm asking you to cause situations that help them get out of what they're in and get into the path that you've got them on. Your prayers are so powerful that the God, who is a real God, He's really listening. He's really going to start acting on what you have asked Him because your prayers are that powerful. Don't ever forget that. You've got to be willing to pray. Was that a long prayer I just prayed? No, I don't have to pray all kinds of fancy prayers and bees and vows. All I have to do is connect with the Heavenly Father and ask Him to do something for someone or for me or for a situation, and He's involved. Your prayer is so, so important and valuable. Just, you're near someone, Lord, I'm asking you to show them how much you love them and bless them, and leave it at that. That's huge. And then you've got to be willing to risk your reputation. Amen? You've got to be willing to risk, risk your reputation. So, Father, I've given them a little bit of your word today. I thank you that you're here with me. I thank you that you're here with your people. And that you've called us to this. That you're waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. To be harvested and we're your harvesters we're the ones who like Isaiah when you ask them who's going to go for me and Isaiah said here I am Lord I'll go is that you today He's wanting a response from you, and he will back you up, and he will help you. I gave you testimony after testimony of my personal life, not to make me somebody, but to say this to you. You know how you, it's, I don't like saying it like this, but this is the, about the only way I can say it to mark your thinking. You know how you get good at this? Is by practicing. I mean, by practicing, by getting ridiculed by people, by like that, I've had people say, Jesus is just another prophet. You have to be able to have a defense or a words to say that guide them, not hurt them, but guide them into the truth. Because if you defend yourself and stand against them, then there's a wall up instantly. Instantly. Boom, you are getting nowhere else. So you have to learn through those situations to be a guide into the truth because they need salvation. They don't need a religion. They need the one who gave his life for them. And you're the one who God has chosen to reach them. 
What a valuable person you own. I mean, your stock in heaven is just, he has invested everything in you. And he believes in you. And if you will practice, you'll find your little niche. Like I said, okay, I've got my own little niche, and I found it to be pretty successful. My friend has his niche. 